0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective-type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors and industry experts. On this episode of Celeb Savant, I'll be speaking to the band UB40. Now UB40 are an English reggae and pop band formed in December 1978 in Birmingham, England. The band has had more than 50 singles in the UK singles chart and has also achieved considerable international success. They've been nominated for the Grammy Award for Best Reggae Album four times and in 1984 were nominated for the Brit Award for Best British Group. UB40 have sold over 70 million records worldwide. The ethnic makeup of the band's original lineup was diverse with musicians of English, Welsh, Irish, Jamaican, Scottish and Yemeni parentage. Ali Campbell left the group in 2008, and Matt Doyle, the leading of the band Kyoko, took over from him in 2018. Uh, this is Barrett Edelstein, otherwise known as the Celeb Event. Today, we are honored to be speaking to three of the members of ub 4 We have got Earl, Matt, and Jimmy. Guys, thank you for joining us today. And where do we find each of you in the world and what's happening in your life? Jimmy, you go first.
1: Okay, go on then Okay Well, we're in the middle of a tour at the moment we have had to down Salt for a little while because of um, illness But we're back up and running again on Monday So we're busy, busy, busy After two years of lockdown So yeah. we're quite enjoying being out there and doing shit It's good And yeah. Matt
0: and Earl, are you also just relaxing Getting back ready for the tour on Monday? Yeah, really. Right. I've just
2: been doing some gardening You know, uh, just maintenance around the house Summer's finally here yeah. So, yeah, just getting the house ready for summer, basically, yeah. Brilliant.
3: You know. Yeah, just got to keep, keep yourself busy when, when when we've got these kind of few days off, um, yeah. you know, people getting over illness and stuff. Uh, yeah, just get out in the sunshine and relax for a bit. Oh, that's cool. That's
1: it's cool. actually really beautiful uh, at the moment here. So yeah. uh, we've, we're having uh, uh, three days of summer. Seems to be we've got one of them today. Okay. So... Uh, it's all right for you guys. Although it's winter for you at the moment. Yeah, you? yeah,
0: yeah. But our winter's a little bit more like your summer. So
2: I'm glad <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, only less rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets. Um, well, it's, it's like 21 today, and everybody just starts stripping off. You know, it's taking all the clothes off and stuff, and sunbathing you know, and fishing and you know. Cycling and running and you know all the, all the stuff you do in the summer
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, guys let's take it all the way very back to the beginning this is a ub40 retrospective tell us about the band at the beginning of the the band and let's start from all the way beginning in 1978
1: well actually the beginning goes back a long time before that okay we, most of us went to school together um from the age of 11 so we've known each other since we were 11 years old and uh, we, we left school, had various jobs, none of us were happy, and somehow got back together again after school and decided to put a band together. One of the catalysts for that was going to see Bob Marley in 1976. At the uh, See, this is all before Matt's time. Yeah. Matt's the new boy. Yes, that's he, right. He's our new singer. Yeah. But uh, we, all, we all went to see Bob Marley in 1976, <laughs> and that was sort of quite an inspiration but we've gone. Oh, we've got to get a band together, and we've got to make it a reggae band, you know. And that's what we did.
0: Why reggae? Because besides Bob Marley at the time, there weren't many other reggae artists. So, what was the inspiration behind reggae besides it being Bob
2: Marley? Well, um, it was the uh, it was the time of the punk era. Yes, exactly. So, uh, there was, yeah, there was bands literally everywhere, and where we where we um, where we ended up. In, we, ended, we ended up in a place called Mosley, which was like bedsit land. Yep. And um, I, had, I had a flat and uh, I was living next door to Brian, the saxophone player uh, who, who sadly passed, passed last year. Okay, but sure. um, yeah, under under his flat was a cellar that was like abandoned. Mm-hmm. So we'd, like, we'd, we'd done it up, you know, we put uh, boards on it and a door on it and secured it, put some electric in there and then we started rehearsing. Do you know what I mean? And that was way back in the punk era. And like, like I said, there were so many bands we thought, well, we'll have a bash, you know, we'll have a go. We couldn't play or anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was had, you know, a limited experience and uh, with the instruments and that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we just, um, I mean, like Reggie kind of chose us because when we started playing, obviously we just play anything just to learn. But uh, yeah, it's just naturally just uh, progressed until, you know, Reggae. And your name,
0: UB40, comes out of the unemployment card you guys get in the UK. Why decide on that as a name?
1: Well, because it had a ring to it, we thought. It was a mate of ours who actually come up with the idea. And, I mean, in the end, one of the reasons that we did get things together was because me and Ali, our ex-singer, were forced to sign on every day because we were always late Yeah, signing on. So we were forced to sign on every single day. So we had to go and sign on and then we would go again to rehearsal. So, you know, it was uh, thanks to the uh, unemployment benefit that we could actually afford to, to 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 spend some time learning our instruments. And also, Reggie's very accessible music, you know, I mean, uh, apart from punk, what did you have? Glam rock, prog rock, you know what I mean? It was nothing, there was any interest to us. We're all in the city boys, you know, uh, Obviously, uh, Earl's got his Jamaican roots, and uh, you know I lived in an area where there was a blues party or should be two doors down. You know it was the music you heard on the streets where we lived, yeah. and that was and it was accessible. You know um, you didn't have to know too many chords, and uh, it was just a feeling more than having that musical ability to you know none of us are trained musicians, obviously. But reggae was accessible music and it still
0: is. Let's dive straight into that, into your next step. So, you joined the band, you were playing reggae, you decided on that, you were practicing downstairs from the flat. Then came the success of the, uh, well, Chrissy Hind gave you your first uh, break uh, from Mm -hmm. the Pretenders. Let's go through the uh, quick overview of the 80s and, you know, the success of all the various albums and what was it like being successful and knowing that you guys had made it?
2: Well, we didn't really realize. I mean, we was too busy having fun, obviously, because we, we was all mates and everything. We were just like eight blokes, like marauding around the world, fighting each other, you know, like a big bond. It was always like fighting and yeah. like uh, just having fun and like, obviously getting used to this life that we kind of stumbled into, you know. And uh, obviously it was it was great fun, but it was like, um you know, like a big learning curve. Like you say um, Chrissy Irons gave us our first break. We went on tour with her, and then we went on tour with the police, and then we done our own tours, and then obviously we had some, you know a bit more success, et cetera. And then we've just been basically making albums and touring ever since. You know, we don't really we've had a, we, we had a few years off way back in the um, the late nineties. I think I can't even remember. I can't remember. No, I can't. The I, can't I can't. I can't really remember dates, but. Um, you know, we've been, we've been, you know been a working band ever since we, uh, you know, we took off, kind of thing. Started to, yeah. well, started playing gigs. Yeah, it just got, got bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah.
0: Matt, over to you. So, joining a, you were part of another band, and then you joined UB40 in the last number of years. So, tell us what that experience is like being for you, being the new kid on the block, so to speak, in of <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
3: Terrifying. <laughs> No, it's uh, you know it's, it's it's been educational, man. Really educational. Like um, just kind of being catapulted um, into this kind of role that um, was something that I I was always striving for to be, you know, to be performing in front of massive, massive audiences, and and uh, and yeah, it was just it was just such a. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's like being catapulted and um, and then finding yourself on a stage in front of kind of 10,000 people. And um, I love it, man. I, I, I've loved the whole thing, the whole, you know, just uh, learning the songs, even though I already really know the songs, yep. you know, kind of learning them inside and out and getting to play them on stage and hear these all these fans singing them back to you. It's The most amazing experience. And how how did you guys all meet? uh was it the BMAs, the Birmingham Music Awards, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Where you guys were picking up an achievement, a lifetime achievement. I think it was along them lines anyway. Mm-hmm. And my old band, Kyoko, were asked to kind of come down and play a few songs. And we knew the guys, we knew UB40 were going to be there. So we covered one in ten. They were up and dancing and stuff. And... Yeah, we just became friends and then we went out on tour. And then, yeah, the rest is history.
1: Yeah, we took Kyoko on tour with us. Uh, Did quite a few gigs with them. And then when, because what happened was we lost our singer Ali 12 years ago now. Um, He went off and went went solo. And uh, we replaced him with his brother, Duncan, um, who was with us for 10, 11 years. well, uh, Dunk, Dunk unfortunately, um, had an illness and couldn't do do it anymore. Yeah. So we were thinking, what are we going to do? But then, because we knew Kyoko well and worked with them, and we knew Matt was a good singer,
2: we, we kind of nicked him, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was it um, was Robin who came up with the idea. Okay. I was thinking, I was scratching my head and going, bloody hell, Duncan, you know. Unfortunately, Duncan can't do it no more. What the hell are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And then Robin just went, Oh, I've got an idea. Matt, how about Matt? And we all went, God, that's genius. And then obviously, um, Matt and uh, Robin had to put in, obviously, all the hard work, you know, the vocals, you know, it's quite a, quite a lot of stuff for Matt to work, he's, you know, to uh, take on. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's doing a sterling job. But uh, yeah, obviously, uh, he's been found in at the deep end, like big time, you know. But he's handling it really good. So Matt,
0: when the guys came to you and said, sure. to "You, uh, Matt, will you join us as the vocalist?" What was your reaction? You must be like, "Whoa! Like, what's happening right now? How? How did that?
3: What was that like for you?" <laughs> I was just kind of like, "When am I going to wake up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when, when am I going to wake up from this dream?" Yeah, because um, yeah, it was just so so surreal. Like um, you know, like like I've said to I've said to the guys so many times, and and. I know Robin loves to say it is the story of me kind of sitting in the back of my parents' car when I was, you know, four years old, singing along to the, you know, to UB40 songs. Mm -hmm. And and now I'm doing it, you know, with the actual (laughs) band. It's just, it's just, it's just amazing.
1: It's like like a full circle moment. Yeah. It's not not an easy job from that because obviously our songs are really well known. Mm -hmm. Quite a lot of them have been big international hits. Yeah. So he has to try and sing them in a way that the audience can recognise as the original tune yeah. rather than just have carte blanche to sing it however he wants to. Yeah. So it's a doubly hard job for him to do because he's got to retrain his phrasing and, and all kinds of things, you know, to to fit in to what the audience expect. They want to be able to sing along. And if he's singing yeah. it in a way that's completely different mm-hmm. to the original, they're not going to be able to do it. So it's a double discipline for him to have to do that.
2: So fair play to him for doing that. Yeah, but saying that, we've also recorded some new stuff. And um, Matt's Matt's featuring, obviously, he's a new singer. Mm -hmm. So there's some new stuff uh, coming out. And he's also featured on um, Baggy Ridding 2. Kyoko's got a track on there, which is uh, Matt singing over one of our um, backing tracks. And that's like an original tune of Matt's, which is brilliant, you know what I mean? So people check it out. But obviously, like I said, there's going to be new stuff coming out uh, in very, very soon. So hold tight.
0: So Matt, mm-hmm. when you're performing the old songs comparing the compared to the new stuff in your voice, mm-hmm. tell me, do you have to train your mind to realize, okay, this is an older song that I need to sing in this way, and now I'm focusing on a new song that is you know, sung in a different way, how do you frame your mind and tone to know, to keep in the different f- ways, if if that makes sense?
3: Um, I, guess it, I guess it's like the guys just said, like, you've just got to find, you've got to find your own voice with the songs, you've got to find how your voice will work with the songs. And then you need to, yeah, just kind of, get the right little phrasings in there, the, the way, you know, just the way that people really remember these okay. songs, but also not without trying to do a complete copy of anything, yeah. singing it in your own way, but making sure that it's the way that the audience knows it. And with the new songs as well, you get a bit more freedom because they're not as, they're not as known. But personally, I, I like to try and keep things as, as um, close to the record as, as I can anyway. Um, I like to, you know everyone likes to kind of go off a little bit every now and again on a tangent but yeah. you know I want to I want to uh, I, I, I give people what they've come to hear you know so um, yeah personally that that's what I try and do is just um, yeah, yeah stick man. to the record yeah. <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> kind you, of
1: <laughs> you can get like you have done you can the audience sing along that's one of the aspects of our gigs you know that's what you do when you come to our show, you dance and you sing, you know, mm. that is what you're supposed to do. And uh, he can always sit back and let the audience take over. it has done a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but because it's kind of fixed, you know, yeah. and that's what we, you know, when you, when you come to Aggie, you expect to go home with sore feet and a sore throat. Yeah. You know, from singing and dancing and all
0: yeah, that. yeah. Now tell me about the creative process of writing the new music.
2: Well, we usually just jam. We usually just get in a room and, and just basically just throw things at the wall and just just jam, basically. You know, it might be a chord sync. It might be a little riff. It could be a drum beat. It could be a little bit of vocal. It could be literally anything. It could be someone falling over in the corner, someone falling on a piano. Do you know what I mean? And just get, like, get an idea. And we just, we just go for it. And we've always done it like that. So yeah. we knock out, on average, say three four backing tracks a day if we're just jamming. I and mean, then obviously you take them to the next stage okay. with uh, the dungs and stuff and start mashing them together. But yeah, we just jam, basically, yeah. yeah.
0: And the inspiration for the, the words, the lyrics of the music, is it uh, personal journeys, what's happening in the world, a combination of both?
1: Well, there are different voices, you know, there are different people who write like, Earl always writes for himself, his own tunes. I tend, I, I write songs as well, um, lyrics. Um, and I think probably Matt has, has, has contributed as well. We're, we're kind of open with the process. We don't really mind who brings what to the table, really. Okay. And we can just, run with it, you know, um, we, we've known each other long enough to know, you know, how, how to work with each other. So it's kind of a, a it's a organic process that sort of slowly unfolds, mm-hmm. and the sun comes last, really. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And you've done a bunch of covers over the years by Elvis, Neil Diamond, uh, Stevie Wonder. Why those specific songs and why those artists?
1: Well, we didn't know that it was Neil Diamond. Oh. We, <laughs> we had no idea. We thought it was like Negus Diamond or something. We yep. thought it was a Jamaican tune, you know. So yep. we had no idea it was anything to do with Neil Diamond, you know. But I, I'm glad we did because I think he needed some help after making The Jazz Singer. Yeah. Um, which was, which was one of the worst films I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Sorry, Neil. Because I actually saw him not long ago in uh, Glastonbury, performing in Glastonbury, and he was actually really fantastic yeah. live performer, <laughs> really good. But I've never been a fan. None, I don't think any of us were fans of Neil Diamond. You know, yeah. we, we mm-hmm. no. Idea. Not only many of us are fans of Elvis, but you know, we were asked to do a cover version of an
2: Elvis tune, and that's what we did. We can't have falling in love. You know, so. Yeah, it's just an accident. That's the yeah. way I okay. goes sometimes. Sometimes you think of it yourself, and then sometimes you're asked to do something. And like Jimmy said, then um, yeah, it's a big hit. So, but we never really look for hits. It's just if you look for a hit, it, it mm-hmm. don't work. It usually, just it just stumbles, or you do a bunch of music and then you realize which is the best track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, you know. Yeah,
0: I suppose if we creating music, and if the end goal is focusing or trying to find that hit the fans and the listening people see straight through it and they'll be like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're just being organic and natural in yourself, then mm-hmm. the fans will take into that and it will be too hot.
1: I mean, just the idea of, you know, that you can create something that's going to have purposely have mass appeal, you can't know. I mean, you can't really know. If you could predict a hit, then record companies would always have hits. Yeah. You know, and they don't, you know, because in the end it's an unpredictable public taste is an unpredictable thing and you only know what the hits are after they're hit. Really. Yeah. You know. You can say, Oh, I think this is gonna be a hit. It might turn out to be a hit, but that would just be a coincidence because another time you'll
2: say, I think this is gonna be a hit and it won't turn out to be a hit, you know. The rise and fall of most musicians and artists, <laughs> you know. You're in the limelight for a while and then, you, you know, you, di- you disappear yeah. and you might, you might come back 10 years later. It's, mm-hmm. you, you never know in this business. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: Now, speaking of that, the way people consume and listen to music it was vinyl, cassettes, CDs. They are coming up again, but now it's this digital world. How, what mm. do you guys think about the way people consume and listen to music now compared to previously?
2: Well, can I just say, because I've just recently set my stereo up in my house. Yeah. That yeah. I've been living in for four years, believe it or it. not, I'm a musician. Right. Anyway, <laughs> set up the stereo. So I've got me decks and everything. And I've got me uh you know, me um my iPhone. I put the deck on. Oh man, it's so noisy. It's unbelievable. So like I prefer digital, I must say. I do. Like, right, really? Yeah, because yeah, because it's like hums and like earth, you gotta earth the bloody t- turntable table and and like it's so clean. And there's a lot more. Obviously, mu- music production is a lot better now. So there's things you can do in music you couldn't do or put on a record, you know, on a vinyl. Mm-hmm. Not, not I'm saying I hate vinyl. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, but actually, listening pleasure in your house for me, yeah, it's got to be digital.
1: I, so, also, I also think that you know because um, making music has been democratized. That means the when we first started, you had to pay a couple of grand a day for months on end to make an album in a, in a, a, a big studio. Whereas technology means that now the ability to make a record, you can do it in your bedroom for a few hundred pounds, yep. you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of equipment. So to be honest, I, there's no value in it. I understand why people don't want to pay for, for, to buy records anymore because records are too easily made. You know, it's a, uh, they're 10 a penny, and so why would anybody want to pay pay money for it? I think when it comes to live performance, that's a different thing. Yeah. Not everybody can just get up on stage and, and do it live, but anybody can make a record in their own bedroom, you know so so I think that's why one of the reasons why there's no value in recorded music anymore. fans just don't make money out of recording. They make money out of playing live. Okay. Yeah, but what do you prefer? Do you prefer vinyl or do you prefer digital? Oh, mm-hmm. definitely digital, definitely no, digital. No, no doubt. For a start, why would you want to destroy the planet with all that, you know, all the manufacturing process and, you know, all the, all the uh, you know, the paper that you use and the, the record sleeve and then you're shipping it somewhere and then delivering it to the mm. shops, you know. That's all polluting the atmosphere, polluting the world. Why bother <laughs> you know, when you can just have a clean signal coming from your computer, do you Interesting.
3: know and you, Matt? I like a mix. Like, um, I I agree with what Jim, Jimmy's saying. Definitely, like, we we can't be we can't be using all this oil and energy and everything, making vinyl CDs, transporting all the stuff around the planet and stuff. Um, but like, if I if I find stuff in second hand shop or a charity shop or like, I'll buy that. But I won't I won't go and buy them um, brand new from you know like H and or something like that. Okay. But yeah, I think as well, like it's 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 amazing how much kind of how how available, how much uh, music there is available to young people now, especially and and they're just they're just listening to everything, like whether it's they're listening to it on Spotify or, or any of the streaming services like that, or games or movies, TV. Like, there's just so much, um, you know. So much music out there that young people are just lapping it all up. And then, and I think they're coming up with some real, real good music as well from that. Now, tell me about
0: when you guys are performing live and you have 10,000, 20,000 people singing back the lyrics and the songs. How does it make you feel? What is that experience like
1: for you? (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) got you. (laughs) Well, I'll just, you know, at first it was kind of hard for us because we've had a massive response from the audience. And for probably the first 10 years, we'd be looking around behind us to see who's just walked on, you know, because <laughs> and then it takes a while for you to actually understand yeah. that it's for you that they're cheering, you know, and coming to terms with that and feeling that you deserve it, it took a long time okay. really, you know,
0: so, sort of that imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is like, yeah, is it me? Yeah, real Why, thing,
1: yeah. yeah. okay, that's
0: interesting. <laughs>
1: no, I was just going to say that now I, I I don't take it for granted, but I accept it. Yeah, what it is, you know. Yeah. There's a massive amount of love for the band out there, and um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll carry on while it's there. We'll carry
2: on doing it. Yeah. No. Yeah, obviously, with the, the the long break we've had, and like we just literally started back like a few weeks ago, and uh, <laughs> and like uh, yeah, like Jimmy says, it, we, uh, yeah, now I can like you really appreciate you know the um, the pleasure that you can give to people, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great, it's a, yeah, it's a good life. It is like a bit like being a sailor, you know, like we used to being away, and like you do your thing, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. We're all on a mission, like you know what I mean? It's like a big group thing. And you're on a mission, and like you try your best and everything, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so I really missed that. And um, yeah, let's hope um, we can do it for quite a bit of, you know, quite a few more years. Yeah. Yet. I
1: mean, it's, <laughs> it's a powerful thing to be part of, you know, there's sort of 20 odd people on the road, band and crew. And yeah. their uh, main, their only focus is to get the show done. And being part of that is really quite empowering, you know, that you, you feel that you're separated from, because from, you're traveling and sleeping when other people are waking up and going to work and, yeah. you know, you, you live in this bubble when you're on the road. But it feels great to be part of that, you know, part of that gang and part of that, that whole business where everybody's focused. You know, it's like moving a house every day with the the equipment and, you know, the, yeah. the the speakers and all that has all gotta be shifted around with trucks and you know, it's just you feel really empowered by being part of that. So it's a lovely life I have to admit. You know what yeah.
0: I find I love going to concerts and I love standing right in front. But for me what <laughs> frustrates me as a person in the front with the people around me is everyone's got their cell phones up, trying to get that <laughs> perfect video or perfect shot. And they're not exp- I'm like Put your phones away. The guys are here performing. Just enjoy it as mm. it is. Take that, yeah. you know. And I get so frustrated. I'm like, what is your f- experience coming from the other end of just seeing all these cell
2: phones in front of you?
0: You know, does that detach from the experience a bit? Or how does it make
2: you feel? It just is what it is, mate. I mean, like, um, growing up, we used to watch Star Trek. yeah, And they used to like, open this thing called a communicator. Yeah. And now that's the, it's the iPhone in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. Actually exists now. So it's just what it is like so. downloading, you know, it's like yeah. the music is just change, things change, yeah. Know. So um you can't really do anything about it. People want memories, they know, but as long as they don't hold it up the whole way through the gig, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. then that's uh, that's that's fine. You know. It doesn't really bother me. It,
1: yeah. it, it's a little bit frustrating though, because you know, a live performance isn't necessarily there to be recorded. That's mm. all whole point in live performance, yeah. you know. If you're recording something then you approach it completely differently because it's for posterity. You know, there are other people we're going to be listening to over and over again, but a live performance is supposed to be there and gone. Yeah. Uh, that's the whole point of a live performance. So it's not really fair sometimes with bands that these are being recorded because you, know, you can hear all the mistakes and the, uh, <laughs> you know, you, know you, uh, you, can't, you can't, unless you're like super, super session men from America, you know, you can't help but have mistakes and, you know, and sound quality is not good and all that. And really, you're not in control of that as a band. Yeah. So I would ban You know, it's
0: interesting you say that because I'm sure none of the audience are picking up anything that you're mentioning. But you guys know if there are little mistakes or sound quality or any issues. But we as an audience don't realize that we just there in the moment will... I'm in the moment. The rest of them are making videos, <laughs> so um,
1: that's the frustration of yeah. being. That's the frustration of being a, a live performer. Is you know you you want it to be perfect every night, yeah. and you you can do some nights and you think that was the most fantastic performance we've ever done, and it was a really great gig. And then some people will go, oh, yeah, it was a brilliant gig. Uh, you're all, just as good as you've always been." And I'm going. No, it's better. It's better. It's better. But you know, they don't really care. That's the burden <laughs> of being a, a perfectionist is that you care, but the audience doesn't really yeah.
0: care. Now. Your guys' experience of South Africa—you've guys have performed here a number of times, handful of times. You performed at Mandela's seventieth uh, birthday. When are you coming back?
2: <laughs> well, as soon as you, um, as soon as you ask us, basically, there is talk going on. Okay, we were due to come over just before COVID hit. Yep. So hopefully we'll pick that back up, and you'll see us very soon. Because obviously, um, you know, we love Africa. As it, as it, as it turns, out, I've just had my uh, my DNA um, uh, done. Yeah, and I'm forty three percent Nigerian. Okay. <laughs> so which is which is <laughs> funny because one of the original members of the band was a, was a guy called Yummy, and he was Nigerian. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so yeah, that's why I throw that in. That's okay. <laughs> But um, yeah, obviously Africa, yeah, mother, the motherland. Yeah, we want, to, we want to come. Do you know anybody who wants to bring us over?
1: <laughs> well, well, I mean, we were, we were one of the first fans that um, that played after the cultural boycott was dropped. Yeah. Um, once it was dropped, we 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 went over as soon as we could, and um, it was phenomenal because we, you know, I think we played to a hundred thousand people over two nights mm. um, at some stadium somewhere. Yeah. And uh, it was you, you just felt like that you were kind of rubbing shoulders with history a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. there, there was a fen- a, non- a phenomenon happening in South America, yeah. in South Africa yeah. After, yeah. after the dropping of the cultural boycott, after Mandela was released, and we we were there celebrating that, and the audience was singing our songs back to us, and you know it was really quite a moving experience, and one of the highlights of our career. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So definitely. we'll
0: definitely put out there that you guys will be coming back and when you guys do come back, we're going for drinks. I'm holding you to that,
2: okay?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, it's drummers as tides Yeah, Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I went. want you to please each of you. I'm going to go around the room around the screen. And from number five to number one, I would like you each to give me your top five favorite songs from other artists. Oh,
2: so, Earl, oh. you first. Um, Bob Marley and the Wailers, um, Kinky Reggae. Number four. Oh, I got it! All, all at the same time. Yes. Wow. <laughs> um, oh. Oh, putting life, you on I the think. spot. <laughs> really, he's putting us on the yeah. spot. That is hard. Yeah. Um, it was so love. Oh. Can you come back to me? <laughs> no, no, that's the point of this game. Number 4. Okay. Um, top of your head, top of your head. Okay, yeah. Black Black Uhuru, Sands of Freedom, Black Sands of Freedom yep. al- al- album. Dennis Brown, Money in my Pocket. Something new, something new. Um, oh. I can't is that, I mean, is that is that four? So you've got two more. Number 2. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs>
1: You know that's an impossible question. No, well, that, that's the fun of this I'm game. At my
3: record collection.
2: <laughs> um, bloody hell! Uh, <laughs> Biggie Smalls. Um, I can't think of the title of the track though. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, one of his albums. Yeah. Um, number one. Uh, Outcast. Yes. i that's it. it? That's, okay. That's yeah, that's number
0: five. That's five. Cool. Yeah. Heading over yeah, to you, yeah, Matt.
3: Number five. Oh no. This <laughs> is gonna be the most random. Okay. Okay. Looking around the room. Back in Black by ACDC.
0: Yes. Ooh, you <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
1: That
3: What Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right, let's think of one off the top of my head. Um, Everything I Own by uh, Ken Booth. I don't know if that was by Ken Booth, actually, but his, his version. What's that, three? Yeah, it's two um, more. Pfft, simmer Down by... Uh, Wailing Wailers before it was Bob Marley and the Wailers yeah Well, right I'm just gonna have to pick one yes throw it at us it's really hard man <laughs> okay Jesus of Suburbia by Green Day cool. Jesus God <laughs> yeah because it's about an 11 minute song okay
2: yeah 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 Green Day <laughs> wicked man yeah I like, yeah. like a bit of rock yeah, and-
3: yeah, yeah. like I said random Jamie, yeah, number five
1: handing over to you <laughs> You <laughs> um, have time
2: to think. You should The awesome.
1: sunshine of my life, Stevie Wonder. Jesus. Ow. Hang on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, okay, days of slavery, um... Vernon Spear. Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> ow. My brain is not actually working, which is it's unfortunate. Hard, it is hard, but that's the fun of this game. You've got um, three more. Three no, no, more. Give no, us three no, no, more. Give us no. no, 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 no. I, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, okay. Oh, Firehouse Rock, The Wailing Souls. Oh, God. Uh, that's three. Two <laughs> down. Yep. Two down. Yeah. Two down. Um, yeah what's, it, the, the, what's that taxi tune?
2: Heart Made of Stone. That's a connection. That'll do. That'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one more. One more. One more. Yeah. Yes. Uh,
1: bloody hell, mate! <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hardest
2: yeah. thing I've ever, I've ever done. You know. Oh. <laughs> oh
1: god! Another Stevie Wonder superstition. Perfect. You go. Yeah. Put you guys I all know. on the spot. One of the worst questions. I've ever <laughs> ever. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that.
2: <laughs> freeze, man. It's to speak that, man. I
1: know. Yeah. No, so some... I'm a film book and people say, "What's your favourite ten movies?" And I couldn't, couldn't possibly. <laughs> yeah, know. Say, You know, yeah. I might have a trouble saying my favourite hundred movies. Yeah. So. Trying amazing. to narrow it all down to five yeah. tunes. Yeah. That's so hard <laughs> Well
0: thank you for that As a finishing off Our podcast Our show is listened to Throughout the world As well in South Africa What from each of you Is your final message To our listening audience Jimmy you first
1: oh, Well yeah We hope we come over To South Africa As soon as we possibly can mm-hmm. And when we do Don't come to the show In high heels <laughs> Because your feet are gonna hurt. Yeah. Wear flats. Yeah.
2: And get ready to be singing. And uh I can't wait to get over there. Brilliant. Earl, Brilliant. your final message? Well, like I said before, I've just found out that I'm Nigerian, so obviously Africa's um yeah, a different place for me now because yeah. I I kinda know where where my roots are and things. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to coming to Africa big time, man. I wanna I wanna go there more than anywhere else at the moment. So there you go, yeah.
3: Brilliant. Matt, your final message? Well, I guess for me, you know, I've, I've, I haven't, I haven't been around the world much. I haven't done a lot of traveling, and um, you know, Africa and South Africa, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to go. I've always wanted to see, you know, the beautiful sights. And yeah, I just can't can't wait to get out there and meet you guys, man. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard you're great people. Mm-hmm. well you'll experience that when we
0: all go for drinks yeah. that apparently I'm paying
3: for
2: cool
0: guys it's been an absolute honor speaking to you today it's been a great privilege this is Barrett Idelsin sleep signing out thank you so much thank you thank, thank, you. You. thank
2: you cheers, cheers. Thank you, mate. thanks thank a lot thank you Bye.